0: Everybody good? Everybody good? Uh, I've met a lot of new people today, and uh, it's already just a a great day. And I'm telling you, what is coming in these next moments is just going to be amazing as well. And so I know that you're going to be glad that you're here. If you are here for the first time, I know that you've been greeted already. And so I just want to share with you a little bit about who we are. Uh, We're Wellhouse Church. We are a a community of imperfect people. Uh, We don't have it together. I know that's shocking because church are supposed to have it together. We don't, so I don't know where you come from, but here uh, we are just a a body of imperfect people, but we are loved by and we serve a perfect God, and we believe God is taking us somewhere, and it's just amazing uh, the journey that we get to journey with when we kind of connect with Jesus, and so uh, that's our goal. We, We hope that you connect today. We hope that you connect to a song or you connect to a person or you connect to that table or you connect in some other way, but connection is so important and so vital, and so let me give you a couple ways that you can connect if you are new here Um, first of all you can connect with me Uh, just look for this guy on Facebook and uh, um, how many have done that how many have given your information away to Russia apparently this week anybody done that uh Somebody told me I look like Chuck Son, and my nephews thought I look like Harrison Ford, and I was like, I'll take the Harrison Ford. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, but my name is Jason. I'm the lead pastor here. I just want to, again, welcome you guys. Well, let me give you a couple of real ways that you can connect. Uh, we have a work day today. We uh, love to be wildly generous. That's part of our language. It's part of who we are here, and so we believe that happens when we give of our financial means, but we also believe that that happens when we give of ourselves and our time and our energy and our skill, and so we're going to be working at Goodlitzville Middle today, uh, so grab lunch and bring it back and share. Uh, you don't have to share your lunch, but you can share the moment with someone here uh, in your lunch. And then we're just going to do some things in about two hours or an hour and a half that would take teachers and administration three days to do. And so we're going to help them be school ready. We're going to be resetting some locks and and uh, inventory and dividing up some textbooks and some things like that. And so we would love for you to stick around. I promised everybody we will have you home in time to still take an afternoon nap. Okay, so that's the deal. We just uh, kind of put puts the cap on a week full of just some uh, awesome opportunities that we've served our community in, but it's a way to connect. You'll get to know somebody today, and then uh, if you are a lady, we would love to invite you to an event called Field. Uh, You probably were handed a card this morning, and uh, it's just going to be kind of a retreat for ladies August 24th, and so if you want more information, just go out those doors and hit Next Steps, and they will not only tell you about Field, they'll tell you about all kinds of ways that you can connect through groups and uh, through information and other things, and so just super glad that you guys are here and hope that you make that connection. Uh, We're kind of winding down our summer here, and uh, you know, summer's always kind of an odd animal. You don't really know what to do with it. You don't want to do anything that's what we would call, you know, super deep, but what we have found is depth in the midst of these stories. And so we've been telling stories all summer long, and these are gospel stories. You can't turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John and find them, but these are stories that are sitting out among you. These are real stories of Jesus and transformation and second chances and changes, and today is no different. What we wanted you to get from this series was this, that everyone has a story, and you may think that your story's not a big deal, nobody would want to hear it. It's not important, but it is, it is. And so what we've already begun to see is that people are beginning to inventory their own story and they're finding places to tell those stories in workplaces and around tables. I was with a family this last week just visiting uh, around a a dinner table and they said, hey, you know, can I tell you our story? We've heard everyone else's this summer and they shared their story. And I thought, man, what an awesome moment for people to begin to realize that and step into. Because when we share our story, we share Jesus. You know, for a long time, I always thought that sharing Jesus meant that I had to sit down and open the Bible, and and yes, that's part of it, but part of it's just me opening my mouth and saying, here's what God has done in my life, and here's some seasons that he's brought me through, and that is gospel, and so we are excited today. Uh, I have Lisa Richard with me, and uh, it's just, you're just going to be glad that you were here today. Lisa and I have known each other uh, for a long time, and I've known her, her, her young men now, I can't call them boys, her young men, uh, Drew and Clay, and just a fantastic family uh, that God has blessed Lori and I immensely in getting to know. And so I just want to jump right in. I don't want to talk anymore. And so Lisa, just kind of start us in, in the pursuit of what you thought was going to lead one way that led another way, and then here we are with something that's, that's really has become a healing moment. Is this on? It's on. You are on.
1: Okay. The first thing I need to say is that I'm terrified. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And the fear is if you really know me, you won't like me. But there's a verse in the Bible, Psalms 107, verse 2. That says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others, he has redeemed you from your enemies. And because that's true for me, I have to tell it. Yes. Was that Carson? I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, so I will start. I, um, I have known Jesus Um, since I was in the cradle I grew up with Ward and June Cleaver as my parents and we were always at church we went to church every Sunday morning every Sunday night every Wednesday night anytime they opened the doors we were there I think my mom had the key so (laughs) that's we were there Um, So I was always in church, and I learned about Jesus. Then when I became a teenager, um, I kind of made a few bad decisions. Nothing really bad, but I did smoke a little, and I drank a little, and, um, you know, got caught smoking pot at church camp, and a few bad decisions. but I had one thing that I did right, and that was my virginity. I was um, able to stay pure um, all the time. I was, and I was really also very proud of that, um, which is probably my biggest. Sin here is pride, and pride goes before destruction. You've heard that before. But I was going to be a prize for my husband whenever I finally got married. And um, when I got to college, it got even harder to remain pure. Uh, But I have a lot of self-control, and I was full of self-control. And I took pride in it. Um... When I was in college, I fell in love. And this is a little side story to uh, my other story. But um, when I was in college at Lipscomb, I had this boyfriend. He broke up with me, and it just devastated me. I didn't want to stay there at school and see him dating my friends. I wanted to transfer. I wanted to go somewhere else. And my dad says, no boy is going to run your life. You're not transferring. And my mom comes up with this idea. Okay, let's say you're going to go into nursing because Lipscomb didn't have a nursing school. You can transfer to Harding. And once you get there, you can change your major. He won't make you come back. (laughs) But y'all, I was born to be a nurse. I mean, and I had never thought of that before never even crossed my mind, but you know, it's just a way that God used like heartbreak to pull me into what I needed to do. Uh, Okay, so after I got out of college and I'm working, I'm a nurse and I'm a yuppie and I meet David and David was so smart and good looking and I didn't know it, but David was an addict, Um, and I was still a virgin. I was so proud of this, Um, and I decided I'm going to marry him. It it was time. Um, All my friends were kind of getting married. I was at the age where you get married, and um, I started making plans to, to get married, and that's when... The devil um, really deceived me, and the devil—just when I say the devil, I'm talking about the voice in my head that says it'll be okay. Um, And it said in my head, it's okay to go ahead and have sex because he's gonna be your husband, you know, someday. It's okay, you know, why wait? It'll be okay, and uh, so we had sex. And um, one time. And I got pregnant.
0: And, and so we have this moment where the time seemed to be right. When I mean, you had this, this perfect guy. But there was something that psychologically that had happened in there. Because you had put so much, like as you said, pride and stock into being self-controlled. Not with smoking pot. There was no control there. But like <laughs> we... we I found that out, too. Let me just give you a side story. When I found out that she smoked pot at church camp, I found that out at church camp when she was a counselor at church camp for our students. And uh, I was like, so do you, is that like a, like a, is that like a tradition now? Like every time you come back to church camp, like, do you have any now? Like, what's going on with that? But anyway, that's a side story. But back to, to where we were going. Like, so you've, you know, and again, it was admirable. But this is where where Satan is, you know, began to kind of go to work on you psychologically because you had put so much stock and value in what you had done, what you had achieved, so to speak. And so now all of a sudden, that is kind of gone. And, and so again, Satan creeps in these little spaces And so, now we're one time in, and we're we're pregnant, and so this just had to rock you again to your core because not only what what was you know kind of what is lingering there, what happens there, but just the pride of all this. So there's two or three things going on. You got this physical, and kind of this emotional. And Mm so, kind of share with us what what that process was after that.
1: Okay. I was so ashamed um, of myself, and I did not want to embarrass my family, and I decided, we decided the best thing to do was to have an abortion. Um, and I thought if I did that, it would go away. No one would ever know. and. Um, you know, life would just go on. Everything would be right after that. But what happened was more shame and more just being rotten inside. Uh, so David and I were, we decided to go ahead and get married after this. And, but we were tied together with sin, and with secrets, and um, we, I tried to make that marriage work, um, and the I, it, I cried myself to sleep most nights of that marriage. Uh,
0: and it was having a reverse effect. It was. I mean, you thought, okay, let's just make a decision, a moment in time, it'll be a blip on the radar, and you thought, you know what, I'll go away, I can go ahead and marry this guy who still madly in love with and but but you know for whatever reason whether it was shame or just stage of life you weren't ready you made a decision and so you thought okay this this is going to set my journey up for a new course but I, you know one of the things you you mentioned just now was like it began to to rot inside mm-hmm. and and maybe it wasn't even the decision of itself but it was the shame and guilt and all these things that were looming around it and so what happened correct me if i'm wrong it began to create not healing, not progress in your relationship. Mm-hmm. It began a cycle. Right. A destructive cycle of some, some things. Cycle. That, yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, and it's the addiction cycle, because I told you David was an addict, and there was, he would be, there's abuse, then there's rehab, and then there's relapse, and abuse, and rehab, and relapse, and... Um, but we still tried, kept trying to make it work, and especially after I had Drew and Clay, we, I just I had to make it work. But it, it just got worse and worse in this cycle, and there was, a lot of uh, verbal, emotional, spiritual abuse in our, uh, in our lives then.
0: And that wasn't just a one-way. No, you know there were things that that you. Yes. Weren't in a spiritual, emotional place to contribute as well. And so this wasn't me. a one-sided. This was just, again, it was this merry-go-round of sorts. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so there came a time when like I have in my notes here that um, David had lots—he threatened suicide a lot, and— he, and he also, it was like he had a gun to his head and he also had a gun figuratively to my head because if I said anything about his addiction and stuff, he was going to tell everybody about me and what I had done. And he was going to, um, you know, everybody was going to know.
0: So what happens then, Lisa? Lisa? Yes, is you're shackled, you're you're enslaved. enslaved, and so was he. But you know, you had this moment where now this shame and guilt had become a mechanism, emotionally, spiritually, that was locking you in. So something had to give. There was something moment. You know, we're talking a pretty good time period now between, you know, that decision, the beginning of that relationship, to now, and so you you fifteen I, years. Yeah, and so yeah. now you're at this place where you're going, okay. I don't know what the cost is going to be, but freedom has to come. Breakthrough has to come.
1: Right. And that was um, because of safety issues, I think. I, yeah. Should I say all that? No. no. Okay. Um, so I was, I was in a hole, and I needed help to get out of the hole. And in order for me to get out of this hole and help, I had, I had to ask for help. And when I asked for help, I had to tell the truth. And the devil was going to tell everyone what a big sinner I was, which was true. And he was going to tell everybody that there was no hope for me, which was a lie. Mm -hmm. Because I have Jesus, and there's hope for me.
0: But he had deceived. He had lied to you and said, okay, if this comes out... It's going to, you, you, you've gone from this place where you feel kind of locked up inside to if I let this darkness come to the surface, into the light, now all of a sudden I'm going to have a, he's telling you the reality will be, not only will you think you're alone, you'll be alone. Exactly. Because everybody's going to run. Right. Parents are going to run, family's going to run, your, your boys are going to run at this point, and everybody's going to just go like, yeah. leave you on this island.
1: <laughs> but
0: that's not true. No. And it wasn't true.
1: It wasn't. So I, the hardest thing I've ever done, I went and told my parents um, about this. And I expected that they would say, don't ever come home again. You know, you're, you're disowned. I didn't get that at all. I got, we're so sorry you had to go through this alone. We love you. And it's like, I just, I finally realized that's what Jesus does for me. He doesn't care that I have messed everything up. He was, I mean, that's where they told me. I mean, I just was like, what? You still love me even even though I've done this? Um, And there's a verse, James 5, 16, that says, you know, confess your sins one to another. And Let's see. And pray for each other that you may be healed. And that moment when I told them about it, and then later when I told Drew and Clay about it, like that's when healing began.
0: And what I love about James and the mention of that, it says, you know, that you confess these things, you bring darkness into light, and it says, you know, pray for another, and it says you will be healed. Not... We'll run you through a process and see if it's possible. Or depending on what you confess will depend on the level of healing you might be able to receive. And, you know, it's not like you've applied for some sort of grant and we're going to kind of check you out and see if it's a promise. That's a promise that James makes. And so now you're in this, this moment where you're seeing this promise become a reality. And the things that you were most afraid of weren't to be feared at all. And so, in that moment it 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 healing began to happen, and the process of finding community that that cares began to happen and and that shame begins to dissipate, and that darkness begins to disappear and you know and that's such the the, the deceiving thing about this is that we convince ourselves that I'm too far gone, I'm too broken, my past is too much my you know my story is is Full of these hidden moments and skeletons, and if anyone, and this goes back to what you said at the beginning if anyone knows these things, they won't like me. And what we we fail to realize is that God knows all these things and still loves us, and He positions us. and, And here's, you know, why your parents didn't, and why other people in your community didn't respond the way they did? They're full of Jesus they're filled with Jesus and so they experience the same redemption surrounding different things around different situations around different moments in their life and so when we begin to have this moment where we begin to fill our lives with Jesus and we're pursuing him and he you know he is just filling us up more and more with his spirit we begin to offer those things much much differently and that's what I love about your story is that you step into from this breakthrough this Healing moment, finding this moment of grace and love and and promise becoming reality, you step directly into healing others. Mm-hmm. And that's where I fell in love with you was this moment where I go, This lady loves everybody. And so you were doing, I want to put it back up, you were doing Psalm 107 shortly after. It was this let the redeemed, meaning that there has already been something fulfilled. You have been redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And so here's, here's what I saw. I saw you begin to tell your story of redemption and healing. Guys, I did student ministry for about 15 years, and I'm going to tell you, there are some really tough students. I don't know if you know this or not, but some of your kids are tough. <laughs> I'm just being real. And it's almost like, I don't know how you do when it comes time to decide who's going to pray at dinner. Anybody do the nose goes? You know, like, Everybody kind of does this, and then the last one to do that is the one who has to pray. I had students where all my volunteers would go, I don't, I'm not staying with them. I'm not, I'm not chaperoning them on the trip. And Lisa didn't know as go. You would go, I got them. Give me, the, give me the tough ones. Give me the ones with the most baggage. Give me the ones that don't connect. Give me the ones who are emotionally, spiritually just broke to pieces. And I watched her take weekend trips and camp weeks and change students' lives because she was now stepping into her story free. And you were stepping into your story knowing that I am redeemed, and so all I've got left is Psalm 107. Just just tell the story. Tell the story of how God, and you, you began to, to psychologically walk these students in really critical moments of their life into these places where they were beginning to encounter some similar freedoms. Different situations, but similar freedoms and similar belongings. And I think the message that you told to people over and over again was this, that no one's story is ever too broken to be repaired. Ever. And I capitalized ever right there at the end. Ever. And we have this moment inside of ourselves where we go, mine is too far. I'm too, it's too messy. It's too this. It's too that. And in this moment when we can begin to understand that no one's story, no one's story is beyond repair, we begin to not only experience this freedom, but we begin to unlock the chains and shackles from other people. And so uh, one of the things that we've said throughout this series is that God is a, a redeemer of time. He has a way of redeeming time and rewriting these moments. And so, you know, while we may live in these moments of darkness for extended periods of time, we may live in shame for these extended periods of time and go, man, I lost so much time and I wasted so much time and now that I know what I know, I wish I hadn't have been all these. And God says, no, how about we take the next chapter of your life and begin to redeem time? And again, I've seen that just over and over in the way that you reared your your boys, and the way that you, again, uh, just sacrificed, and you worked with hard case students, and just loved, and loved, and loved, and I know all that was coming from a place where you began to experience these things, so I'm so grateful, because I know this is, this is, this takes a lot of courage to share these moments, and so um, I'm just grateful that I get to be a part of your story, and that you share your story, and I, and I got to imagine this morning that there is somebody here who feels in a very similar way, that you are just locked to a prison wall. And you're going, I don't know. I don't know if I can find the courage. I don't know if I can find the strength. I don't know if I can find the words and what ifs. And we begin to run this gamut of Satan controlling that moment of saying, you know that if you do this, you know, this is going to. And so we began to these worst case, run to these worst case scenarios. And I just want you to hear this morning. That a small step toward freedom will unlock and open up uh, these doors. And so don't be afraid to, to, to step into that, to step into conversation and step into these moments where you begin to listen and, and begin to navigate your own history and your own story. And, and again, it's a process. And that's why, you know, again, part of what we've done here is that we want everybody. To to pace and have space to navigate this on your own, but I don't want you to leave here today. And I think Lisa, you'd say the same thing. I don't want you to leave here today, feeling like you don't have options. That that, that Satan has robbed you of options, and he has created a list of worst case scenarios. That is just simply not true. And you will step into finding grace, and you will step into finding love. You will step into finding. Forgiveness and healing in, in these moments, and so I just want to want to encourage you to, to continue that conversation uh, as you kind of enter into tables and and life this week. Just just don't continue to let Satan have that lie over you. And I'm glad that you didn't. I want to pray over you and and uh, just I'm so thankful again for you having the courage to to kind of tell your story. And I know that. You know, your story is continuing to be written, and your story is going to include some really cool chapters ahead. And and I know that you're going to continue to tell that story. Regardless of the ups and downs of all, all that life will bring, you will continue to step into that. And I'm so grateful for that. So, Father, this morning... I just am so thankful for Lisa and her story of redemption and story of breakthrough and freedom. And God, I know there's a host of people out here this morning that are experiencing the need for breakthrough, the need for freedom. And it may not have to do with her decision. It's a different decision. It's a different lifestyle. It's a different circumstance. For some, it's a new place that they find themselves in. And for some, God, they have ling- They have let this linger for, for decades. God, will you bring freedom to this place? We bring freedom to to, to our people because, God, when we live free, we live filled. And when we live filled, God, we will live out of the overflow. and, And not only will we begin to experience change, people around us God, we'll be better people. We'll be better husbands, better wives, better bosses and better employees, better neighbors. We'll be better fathers and mothers. We'll be better friends. God, when we live into the freedom that you've called us, when we experience the grace that you have freely given to us, when we experience those things that only come through you, and I don't know what the response of some people out here, if they begin to tell their secrets to the ones that are closest to them, they may not get the grace from, from an earthly father or mother, but God, they'll get it from you. And in that, you'll unlock something. You'll unlock this stronghold of lies that Satan has. And so, Father, we just pray again that people would have the courage to step into the moment where freedom can be found. And the journey where step after step after step freedom can begin to be built and trust can begin to be built. And mercy and grace and healing can begin to to, to take hold. And so, Father, may it start with a step today. And again, I pray that Lisa's story would cause someone else to take a step. A step that would allow them to experience what they didn't think was possible and were told it was not possible. But God, may you again begin to unlock only what you can in in giving real value. I love that we sang earlier that we are sons and daughters. And so help us to realize that we are sons and daughters that get to experience the perfection of of your grace and love. And thank you for that. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. Normally we've ended uh, our stories kind of at this point, but I, I feel like we would rob everyone if we don't tell them uh, a really big highlight of this last two years. One of the things that I saw Lisa do for, for years, um, and, and I just want to, this, this needs to go on record, that you have reared two of the greatest young men I know. Yeah. And I think whoever started that applause probably wants to date one of you, young men. I'm just saying. I don't know. It sounded like a, a light clap. Um, so, uh, but one of the things I admired so much was that you locked in to doing whatever it takes to rear, not just those two that lived in your house, you, it was a tribe that hung out at your place. And, and a lot of them are here this morning. Um, it was like a little frat house over, I mean, she ran a frat house for four years during, during high school. Um, But one of the things that, that that required was sacrifice. And I saw you even sacrifice your pursuit of romance and your pursuit of what you needed and even desired at those moments. But over the past two years, guys are kind of off doing their thing now and you've got, you know, kind of some you time. Uh, God has done something amazing, and he has delivered a man in your life that has just stolen your heart. And so I want to introduce, I, I, you guys good? Can, you, can we meet Paul for a second? This is Paul. And, and now they are writing uh, their story, you know, as they date. And, and I wanted you to hear this because this came out during... Um, uh, our, our meeting together. But one of the things that was so important to you guys was the way that you modeled your dating for your kids. Because, you know, it's, it's now you're, you've got kind of this opportunity to... Your kids are watching you do things that they've never watched you really do. And so what was the big kind of step that you guys wanted to take as you started dating with your kids? Well, one of the biggest issues was we wanted to be... Like, I need this. We wanted to be very intentional in our relationship. We wanted to be very specific in modeling a godlike dating relationship for our five college-aged children. So we wanted to make sure that we did it right so that we could set a good example for our kids. And as it's turned out, others that see us have commented and seen and said that it's important to have that example, to be able to set that example for people to see and they have seen that and i know that they're going to model that now again it's this it's the ripple effect of these stories you know that when you experience healing and breakthrough and grace then you begin to experience uh, a better shaped season you know in in future decisions and all these things and so now we've got these ripples that are going out to your to your children your kids and they're beginning to date and they're going to model those kinds of things and so it didn't just stay with dating i want to throw this picture back up a couple months ago something big happened there it is. Yep. So yes, we're engaged uh, to be married, and um, and I want to bring that up because again, when we begin to pursue God and we experience that healing and breakthrough, there's not just the promise of healing. God continues to to make good on your sacrifices and all those years you sacrificed for your boys. He he wouldn't. You weren't sacrificing. He was saving. He was saving you for this perfect opportunity and uh, this perfect moment that God was going to, at just the right time, uh, fuse these things together. And so we're, we're just excited about y'all's future. So I'm going to ask the question that everybody always asks, so you're engaged, so what's, what's the date?
1: It's whenever we can get our family and kids together. So
0: whenever we can get the family and kids together, they're here. So let's do it. So, in order to do this, now you understand why we wanted to end a little different today. They came to me and they said, hey, we want the end of our story to end in this moment. And so, we're going to honor that. And here's why we're going to honor that. Guys, this is a holy moment. This is a covenant moment. This is a moment just... Every bit as a worshipful to our, our King and our Savior as anything else we do this morning. And I said, So let's make it absolutely a family moment. And that's what we want to do. So we're missing a few things. And so I know the kids are here. So let's bring those items up. We've got to make this official. And so here's the items we need to, to make a go at this. There's the flowers. We have a top hat. <laughs> all right, now we're, we're official. All right, so we got rings, right? We got, all right, come on up here. Here we go. So Paul and Lisa, just want to ask you, do you in front of this community, your community, your family, promise to take each other... In the holy covenant of marriage, do you promise to love one another as God has loved you in good times and in bad? When life seems easy and when life seems hard, do you promise to serve and seek Christ with all your being together? Will you seek to encourage and inspire one another to laugh with and to confront one another in times of sorrow and struggle, will you comfort each other? Do you promise to cherish one another and to always hold each other in highest regard? I do. I do. These things I give to you today and all the days of your life, and what the gift of marriage, the holiness, the covenant, of marriage was to God in the beginning, as we see that displayed in the relationship with Adam and Eve, and later we see it with Christ in the way that he honored marriage in the beginning, will it be to you by taking with you into your marriage today an immense amount of love, kindness, patience, and a forgiving spirit, all of which we, this community, will encourage you to perform all the duration of your life. Think this is church appropriate, but Paul, you can kiss your bride. You. I want to pray a blessing over you guys and then uh, we'll just party together. So if you want to stick around, we would love to have you. We've got cake and uh, cupcakes, and we're just going to make a moment where you get to congratulate them. But, Father, this morning, I'm grateful that you started a story that would lead toward healing, that would lead toward this long ago. God, I'm grateful that Lisa and Paul are stepping into this new chapter together, and it is holy, and it is covenant, and it is uh, full of love because it's full of you. And so, Father, I'm grateful that from the very first day they met, they decided that you would be the centerpiece of their relationship, and look what it has culminated into this beautiful bond that they share together now. God, I'm so grateful for their families and as they begin to blend together, which has already begun to happen again before this moment, that God, they would just cherish and they would look to and follow the example that has been led by Paul and Lisa. The example that has been led through some really tough times and the example of how to lead through really good times. So, Father, we pray that you bless this union. We pray that you bless this moment. You bless these families as they become one. And, God, we pray that they now will write a story to be told together. Thank you for that. Thank you for this moment. Bless it. Keep it. And may Satan or anyone else ever destroy what it is that you put together. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. For the first time, here's Mr. and Mrs. Paul Vandekamp. You guys are dismissed. Have a wonderful day. Find somebody to tell your story to this week. And uh, for people who missed today, tell them what they missed. So see you guys. Have a great week.